what Alice wrote in her books, you know, there are these moments. We, I kind of like to think of them as heartstopper moments where they're basically just these moments that you can't really, again, you can't really put into words. They're, it's that, that, that hug that just lasts a little bit longer yeah. or, that, or that kind of that day out in the snow or, you know, just those little moments that um, they're kind of these memories that you hang on to. Welcome to Artifacts. I'm your host, Marissa Dickens, and today's guest is UK-based music composer, Adieska Chase. Hello, hi. Thank you so much for coming on Artifacts. I'm super excited today. So you have created music for, you know, short films, video games, television shows, but your most recent work that I was exposed to was Netflix Heartstopper, which if you haven't watched Heartstopper, stop what you're doing and watch it right now. It is such a heartwarming show. I think they really do a good job of portraying an honest and respectful representation of the LGBTQ plus community. And of course, your score and your music just makes it 10 times better. It's so unique, like the instruments you use in the synths. And I think it really captures the characters and the whole world that Heartstopper is being created in. And it kind of reminds you of those first jittery feelings when you get in your love yeah. and you find someone. And I think it really yeah. touches that. Oh, thank you. No, that's literally like one of the main goals when composing for Heartstopper was to to capture the, that kind of feeling. So, if I can at least make one person feel that way, then then I've done I've done my job, you know. And and hopefully everyone else kind of gets that sense as well because it's just yeah, young love and young that kind of yearning that we all feel and those sensations that you can't quite put into words. And you know, hopefully music can help translate. Well, let's get started. So what was your first exposure to music as a child? I consider myself really lucky. I have got two very loving parents, one of which is uh, quite musical. So my dad, he's a pianist. He did, I think, growing up, play the clarinet and I think he had organ lessons as well. Um, And he also does singing and he still sings. He's in a choir. You know, I probably heard him play piano when I was born, essentially. But my mum and my dad, they they both got me and my brother playing piano from quite an early age. So we had lessons from the age of four. So that was kind of like my first experience, probably. And then when I think I think when I got to about six or seven, so I started kind of what we call junior junior school, I had violin lessons and that was with Mrs. Williams and her husband, Mr. Williams, was the head of music at the junior school. So both of them would take my brother and I out to concerts. So we would go and watch classical concerts. And I think I think my brother kind of got a bit bored of it after a while or maybe he got busy. But I kept going and I found them really interesting. And then, you know, all sorts of things. I was very well exposed to kind of the arts and things. I think I had a friend growing up. I used to do horse riding when I was very little. And then my best friend, who was called Charlotte at the time, she did theatre school. And I think one day we decided to swap like we would try each other's hobbies so one day she came with me to horse riding and then the next day, the next time I went with her to theatre school and we would we hoped that maybe we'd find something that we liked and in common we'd do that together we ended up swapping so she did horse riding and then I went to theatre school <laughs> so that was really good and I did that for, from the age of like four and a half to 
16 I think is when I left my theatre school but yeah so I did violin at seven and then I think I went on to guitar at maybe 11 or something and I was singing the whole time as well you know it's hard to kind of create an idea of the timeline but I you know would sing and write songs on the piano and then I'd move on and write songs on the guitar and then moving swiftly on to things like sixth form so when I was about 16 17 um, I joined a new, a new school and found you know lots of musicians there and ended up joining a band and in this band I sang and I played electric violin so, that, so I've kind of like found every instrument that I played I can <laughs> yeah it's a lot of instruments <laughs> I consider myself a multi multi-instrumentalist so I play those instruments but I also have cello and viola um things like ukuleles bass guitar i've got tin whistles uh recorders i can play the didgeridoo which is really fun i went to australia once when i was about eight to see my uncle and i bought a didgeridoo up in cairns one of the best places to buy a didgeridoo so i can play that yeah just tons of little knickknacks so whilst heartstopper was a very synth-based score there are some things in there that i recorded and i kind of made synthesized like tapping the violin or tapping my chest I mean I can talk about that more later but you know most of that is synth but actually a lot of work that I do I tend to play instruments into it and uh, particularly being a string player that's really useful I'm basically a one-woman string quartet which is very useful you have like a classical almost like a classical upbringing mainly classical music and rock music growing up not a lot of popular music I have to say I think my friends were all very much into like pop stuff and I kind of was um, into the more kind of niche things and I think my general taste in music is very broad I like everything what kind of bands or uh, musicians you're into or at least when you're growing up that you listen to a lot well I loved bands like Evanescence yeah, and uh, Paramore, you know, both of the front yeah. women in that uh, kind of like powerhouse musicians and just the band is, itself. What else? Mm, I mean, I really liked composers like Chopin and Debussy, kind of like quite classical and then romantic styles I really enjoyed. I really liked Mozart. I thought he, if you look into the drama, you know, the goss that goes on in Mozart's life, um, if you ever get to watch the film Amadeus it's oh. quite an old film now but it's he's such a cheeky guy um and it's so sad kind of like how he dies quite early but he was um yeah essentially just a, a he would have been the Justin Bieber of his time I think yeah that's how people cast a bit because he was a bit cheeky and very a talented scandalous a little yeah and actually you know he had an older sister who I think if it wasn't for that day and age where she wasn't married off and stuff, she probably would have, there are, there are rumours that she might have been more uh, talented than him, but, mm. you know, we will never know that. It was definitely seen that both of them were very talented musicians growing up. So I really like that side of music as well. And then who else? I mean, I'm trying to think of like more popular, I mean, I loved um, listening to as well to things like Gary Newman or The Smiths or like old stuff like that. There's just a whole plethora of artists and musicians that I've listened to. I'm probably missing off loads that I've listened to over the years. Um, but those are the ones that come straight straight to my mind. It's very hard to kind of pick one. I know, there's so many. And so like, because of all your influences, how would you describe your own like music style? Yeah, I mean, it's a bit like describing your own voice. I feel like it's very hard to put into words describing my particular brand of music I do think I have a style um but it does shift around like I, I love doing quite 
playful things and I like doing quite serious things and I like doing electronic stuff but I also love orchestral stuff Mm -hmm. so it's kind of hard to kind of describe it in that sense I think I learned during my master's course there is something there is something to my music that you can recognize but I don't particularly know how to describe that hoping my music can be very kind of sympathetic to the characters and to what's going on in the context of what I'm what I'm composing to and then I don't know maybe I like repetitive things but I also love a good melody it's like blending those two things together I love creating music where there's a quite a nice texture to it so it's not just one thing going on it's it there's kind of like a world of sound that's created mm-hmm. then I'd argue that every composer could probably say everything I just said especially with Heartstopper I feel like the music is going along with the characters, supporting them in times, and it's like telling their story. I kind of feel like it has to be, it has to like flow through you. So whatever I feel the first time I feel it, I, I am quite, I do feel like I can feel it again. I'm quite sympathetic in that sense. And uh, I, can, I feel like I will channel that through the music. I never want to try and make the music the main focus I guess unless it's the credits and something or something, but really it's about taking that feeling and then prolonging it into the credits, you know? So yeah, I'm hoping that, that, yeah, like you said, comes across. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I have got a dog in this room. So if you hear tinklings of bells or squeaky okay. toys. Oh my goodness. What's your dog's name? Oh, you're going to laugh. Can you guess? Oh, what's, is it Nelly? Go on, have a guess. No, but if it was a girl, I would have called oh, her Nelly. Okay. Is, it, um, is it Nick? No, the other one, Charlie. Charlie, <laughs> yeah, oh, I love it. Charlie, we did go through a lot of different names, and I think my auntie actually made something that said Charlie on it. She's really into textiles, so mm-hmm. it was kind of the the name was floating around, obviously because of its importance in my life now. But um, she made this little bone with Charlie on it, and so I thought, oh gosh, well, he yeah. has to be Charlie. Yeah, yeah. it's a sign. Oh. I want to shift to Heartstoppers. What was that like getting that? They said, hey, did they reach out to you and say, hey, we want you to do this? Or did you reach out? I don't know how that even works. Well, I had only just graduated. So this they were looking for a composer. I think it was uh, in August. Um, so they were already going into post. They were also, I just want to say, they, this is such an organized project. The team was so on it. And it was such a joy having everything so organized and everyone being so wonderful. But essentially, uh, I graduated the May before. So it'd only been about half a year, a few months that I'd graduated. So, I, you know, they were putting out feelers for composers. And I think myself and a lot of my grad, graduate composers got an email saying that they were looking for someone. And we all sent music across. So I sent over some of my pieces uh, which they said they liked, which is good. Uh, and then they said, "Would you would you like a meet? Can we have a meeting?" And and then after that meeting, I was asked to I was sent you know the, the part of the first episode, and I was asked to score. I think it was the very first track. So I so I think I sent them three different pitches. It was kind of two two pitches I really liked, and then the third one was a bit of a wild card. Like, hey, what about this? Kind of interesting idea. I think what they both, what they all really enjoyed about um, all of these pitches was uh, there was a kind of like, I think a punchiness to it or what I think I remember them saying is they felt that I really understood the characters in our, in our meeting because I read the books and I just mm. fell in love, fell yeah. in love with the characters. And I was just, I th- I think I was probably fangirling a bit to them like, oh my God. And then, <laughs> and then this happens and I was like screaming at the book like, ah! Yeah. So um, 
I think they thought that I was, you know, already very invested, uh, emotionally invested myself in the in the story and the characters. So that's kind of how it came to be. Um, I remember I was out at the time when they, I think I got rung by the producer and it must have been like 8 p.m. at night and I was out at the time. And I I hate when I'm out. I don't like to have my phone out. I, I try and put it away. Or, But I said to my friends at the time, I was like, if, if my phone rings, I'm going to leave you all because <laughs> it's going to be a very important phone call. Um, and so, yeah, they did. And then we had a meeting the next day and, yeah, it all just went by really quickly then just the project started and that was that I felt like the team knew and the director Iris Lynn you know knew what they wanted but at the same time they did leave me to it quite a lot they kind of just said we trust you you know we're happy for you to make mistakes you know this is how we learn this is how we this is how great things happen through mistakes or through like exploration and adventure and just go away and create something. And, and then we'd, I'd send them stuff and they'd chat to me about their thoughts, specific thoughts, and we'd go back and forth and I'd send, you know, more music. And the whole thing was just very, it's very comforting. I kind of knew, I felt com- comforted by the fact that they knew what they wanted, but at the same time didn't have to tell me. We all just kind of, it just seemed to fit. You know, once we got the first episode kind of the first music nailed down we we thought this is right this is a style this is this is working Mm -hmm. it felt very organic after that which is lovely that's always nice to have because some people work of like I want this this is how I want it this is what I see whereas some people are like here's your time to explore and see what you come up with because there's that sense of trust and like I know you can you're a master at this so let me see you put it together first and see how it fits yeah. sometimes people say you know we we don't know what we want you just go away and create something and we'll tell we'll tell you if it's good or not and then you do and you come back and they go no that's not the right thing you try something else and you're on and, and I think it's very easy for composers to get frustrated in that respect you know we're not mind readers mm-hmm. but at the same time I always find that like a like a little mission for me it's it's kind of you're not you're discovering it together you're saying right we don't know what we want so this is what we're going to discover together but no I think it was different with Heartstopper it was very yeah, just kind of left left me to my devices. But then I felt very safe kind of knowing that if it wasn't right, they were very good at communicating to me back what they did want. And then I would just go away and do it. And it was, yeah, it just seemed to all work out. Do they show you the whole edited thing then you compose? Or is it like, here's like a little unedited scene well this is a really this is such an interesting question because I get asked it a lot like people used to say oh did you get to see the whole thing and yeah you do I think it's um there's nothing secretive about it I think they want you to know the context of what's going on and they would send me the whole episode and I'd watch that through and then I and then we'd all have a spotting session together so a spotting session is when the composer and the director and other team members like the editor or has become assistant editor you know I think anyone could come really but those are the main those are the main people I believe who who came and we'd basically just play through it and um I think we just we I'd watch the whole thing but then we just go to the specific moments where they were looking for music or we just or I would say oh we actually missed a bit here what about that they're having music or you know I've had other projects where I'd say actually let's not put the music there it's a bit of a intimate moment that's maybe not been music there so it's like all a discussion and like I said Heartstopper was very organized so I think they you know these are the moments and we went through and we discussed it so yeah I did get to watch um each one but it was also interesting I think I think it's quite nice for me to see stuff 
in the order in which the audience will see it and then it gives you an, a sense of progression mm-hmm. so you progress the music as the series progresses and if you do do a project where things are a bit backwards or go back and forth between different episodes you have to keep that in mind as a composer as well you know you can't be building up too much too soon you kind of want to ease the audience into something mm-hmm. or let a moment grow so that's something you have to think about what was my process in actually writing the music so you know when I when I start a project what I tend to do and it's not always like this because every project's different but I tend to kind of create a template of sounds so I what I did is I went into all my synths and I thought um right these are the synths I'm going to use blah 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 blah. and I, I literally have a massive you know a whole channel of sounds ready to play with and then I start creating ideas and as I was creating the idea I'd use oh a bit of this one and a bit of that one and I get to the end of maybe an idea and I think well I didn't use this sound this sound I don't think is going to work so I get rid of that sound and then I do that through all the these different instruments that I had and then by the end of it I would just have a template and then what I do is I have that template saved and then each time I go to a new cue I'd have that as a basis to work off and then if I need to add new sounds or change sounds then I would just do that within each cue or and then if there was a particular thing that I liked from one queue and I want to use it in another queue, I could actually go into my software and say, import this particular channel, you know, track from this queue and I can use that. And it would even give me the actual composition, not just the sound. It would give me like the music that I made and I can tweak and change it. Um, and that's really useful as well. So that's kind of how the the music grew. And actually, as the more episodes that got um, completed that I composed for, uh, the editor actually started putting in music from previous episodes in the newer episodes. So they were kind of using my music towards the end, which is great because there was this one particular track, I think on the album it's called Heartstopper, mm-hmm. um, because it's used at the end, I think it's the end of episode three, which is the big, a big moment. I don't want to, re- I don't want to reveal too much. Um, <laughs> there's a big moment at the end of episode three, and then obviously a big moment towards the end of the last episode. And it's great because uh, she basically uh, used that same track. And I thought, I was like, yes, this is tying it all together. <laughs> Love it. And the way she edited it with the music as well, it was just, I didn't really have to do that much. I did go back into it and change things. And we did have a conversation about it all. But it's just so fantastic when things like that happen because it's just that synergy. I always kind of felt like Heartstopper, Heartbeats, you know, I was actually going through TikTok the other day and I saw a video of someone listening to, what was it? Oh, there's a particular moment. Again, I don't want to ruin it. There's a particular moment where something tense is going to happen in a good way. And I basically used a kick drum. And I, what I do is I like to filter things a lot as well. So I took the high end frequencies off this kick. So it sounds a bit like a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just before this moment happens, that beat stops and it's like your heart stopping and someone like commented being like oh my god it's such a genius how they they made the heartbeat stop and I was like yeah Yeah. that's exactly right they got it they got it um so yeah there's things like that and uh I liked the sweeping synths a lot especially the fizzy synths when um like the very first cue um first sight uh when I love first sight and it's like the most popular on Spotify well, I think that might be because it's the first track as well. I think people it's start so listening. Good, though. <laughs> That's my most but, listened to for me because, like, I just put it out. I don't know. I like that one a lot. Well, it's not it, what I wanted to do with that one, which I I don't know if people uh, understand when they when they listen to it because it's not about me 
when I write something like I, I want people to think that specific way if they feel something different or they feel a different way you know that's cool too but what I wanted to do is you know I had this synth and I bended I bent the note down down and it kind of makes you feel like your heart doing a little flicker and like a little flip or when you go when you're in the car and you go a little speed bump and your tummy goes Whoop. and it's that kind of like weird sensation that is strangely nice like you're like oh and I wanted it to be a really simple thing as well something that you know life doesn't have to be complicated in that sense you, you see someone you like them that's that's as simple as it needs to be there doesn't have to be a you know any anything complicated about it um but it was nice because it meant that every time there was a there was a kind of sight of Nick um I would kind of want to put that in there so little easter eggs I like to call them I put them in so there's a bit where and I will spoil this but there's a bit where uh Nick drew a little smiley face on Charlie's hand he kind of accidentally smudges him with a pen and he drew a little smiley face and then later Charlie is with another character who I won't say who is with another character and it's nothing really to do with Nick and yet there's a shot and the shot just quickly goes to the smiley face and it just gives you this little thing of like oh well you know Charlie's actually thinking about Nick right now or actually Nick you know there's something with Nick you know let's not forget and all I did was put that little I had a cue going on at the same time but I just put a little bend on that on that smiley face just to be like oh remember there was there was that character it was Nick and then I think I also used it um at the end of ep4 again in that um at the beginning of Heart Slipper, the track, uh, Charlie is scrolling on his phone, looking for his notifications, and um, there's that bend on it, and it's again to say he's looking to see if Nick's messaged him or not. Uh -huh. So yeah, there's like little things like that I put in it, which I'm, you know, maybe if people watch it again, they'll they'll hear them now and go, oh my god, that's what she did. I did want to ask, like, what's the difference between you know doing a score for a tv show versus like a short film or something that is just one long thing like is it harder so, easier so i've 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 not been lucky enough yet to score a feature film on my own i have been part of a team uh doing feature films the last one i kind of was uh, assisting on was uh, the princess um which, which came out on disney plus yeah. um, yeah so that was really interesting and I could see the process it's it's interesting I feel like the process the technical process is quite similar you know you see the whole thing and you get spotting sessions I think with a with a series they do lock sections quite well so in, in a film rather than having episodes you'll have what they call reels so it's like based on a reel of film um even if it's digital they'll still separate it into reels which can you know change in terms of you know one reel might flow into the next reel when they change the edit but essentially uh, you know though i think in, in feature films they probably find it more difficult locking stuff because it's the whole thing mm -hmm. whereas in an episode you can say right this is going to lock this episode and we'll lock that, that episode and it's the same thing with short film as well i think um the the good thing about short film is that they're well shorter so you have like less stuff to go through and they might pitch a lot quite early uh which is when they lock the edit and then you can get composing or you might you know start composing before and then the edits aren't too bad because again it's quite a short film so you it's not as hard changing things again it all depends on the project and the who you're doing it with and what the film is like so yeah comparing tv to film 
it is a it is more about the amount that you have to do rather than the way in which you do it mm-hmm. and then composing for other things like video games is completely different mm-hmm. so rather than composing you might have scenes and cut scenes and quick times to to compose for uh you usually deliver what we call assets so you'll say like here is a bit of music for the fight or here's a bit of music for the adventure or here's a bit of music when there are things are a bit sad or something and you say right this is the full mix and then these are all the strings or these are all the synths these are the high synths or low synths what had the two parts stopper and these are the percussion and with video games it's great because you could actually put layers of emotion so you might say this is the forest music and then you have the tension layer or you have the calm layer or you have the melody layer or the accompanying layer and you can basically have it in the game that if they are in that space but something happens the music can seamlessly shift into something that's different like a bit more tense or um or whatever emotion you're trying to do so that's i find video games very interesting in that sense because you're thinking more about the interactive nature of the game and how the players will hear music and what they'll be feeling depending on what they do not what the actual film does what's your favorite that you've done so far as far as medium like or genre oh that's so hard i don't know this like one would you want to do i want to do all i'm a bit greedy i'm a bit greedy i feel like again it's it's less about i think it's a good question about medium i think other people might have a preference but for me it's more about and again, it's not even about the style of each, like the genre of each one. I think it would just be down to the individual project. Um, I feel very blessed to have worked on Heartstopper, but I haven't done as much video games since graduating. So I do want to get back into that a bit more. And then with films as well, I, I, I kind of thought to myself, I'd never be ready to do a big feature film and stuff. But then having seen it firsthand, I'm like really excited to kind of do more things like that as well. So, yeah, I don't know if it's, I don't know if I have a favourite. I do like, I do like TV a lot. I think because I've been doing it, it's, mm-hmm. I'm getting used to that. But, but I do, yeah, I am itching mm-hmm. for, for different things. I think as well, like some composers feel very safe or like, not safe, but they feel very happy and content in one area. But there are other composers that get a bit kind of, yeah like they're itching to do everything and they're like to have a change you know I think if you do you spend too long doing one thing you might get a little bit kind of you know not bored but kind of just a bit like oh I want to change something different so for me it's you know I love having change or some you know something to kind of focus my mind on different things at different times Mm -hmm. do you have any advice for like emerging composers getting into the music industry and that whole world of composing so my advice would be it's I think it's something you have to think about and this is something that you could probably put to, to anything in life which is if you want to be successful in something I think you have to have three things so one is to have the skill so you need to have the skill set there so compose 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 I used to find just videos off YouTube or other places where I could just literally just try and think oh, okay I'll watch that now I'm going to compose something for it or I would just write you know, trailer music or game music, video game music, and just, or, you know, just anything, just compose as much as you can. The more you can compose, the more you'll understand what you're doing. And you can, it's a skill that is practiced. It's learned and practiced. It's not something you just learn. You have to kind of really practice it. So that's the first thing. And then I think the second thing is like perseverance and networking in a sense. I guess those are two things. So it's, you have to be really persistent in 
getting to know people and going out there and trying to get jobs, you know, go on Facebook and they join groups and you can meet people there or Fiverr, Upwork, Upwork, Upworthy, Upwork, one of those. Um, what other ones? Mandy. There's loads of kind of freelance sites that you can go on. Make sure to read through all of those, uh, how they work first. Be very careful and so you're not kind of doing work for nothing. And yeah, going to networking events. Like for me, I go on Eventbrite and I would just Google, like put into Eventbrite networking film, networking TV, networking games like London. And then I just go to different events and see who I'd meet there. And, and, and also remember when you are networking that, most people are in the same boat. Most people are quite nervous. Most people don't know how to approach someone. And even just you saying to someone, hey, do you want to come chat? Like, come join our group. They're probably thinking, oh, my God, thank goodness. <laughs> someone's, yeah. asked, someone's asked me to come chat with them, okay? But it takes you or someone else to do that first, you know? Mm-hmm. If everyone's just kind of stood around kind of sipping their Diet Coke or sipping their, 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 their wine or whatever they have, it's a little bit kind of like, oh, who, who do I talk to? But you just have to go in. Like, no one's going to bite your head off doing it so just remember everyone's in the same boat um and uh yeah going on courses you know the the national film and television school was a fantastic place uh for not only gaining the experience and the skill set but for just networking and meeting like-minded creative people so you know see what courses are in your area or where, where you can go and um for me I had to do I had to work so many jobs you know teaching and all sorts just to fund my way through that um but it was it was really really worth it um and I think it can be very difficult for some people, but there's loads of um, associations out there as well. They can help you with things. So just to have a, have a quick Google search of what might meet your own specific criteria or, or what you might need, or, you know, there's always, where well, there's a will, there's a way. And then I think the last thing, which is going to be not really advice, but just a little thing to remember is that you do need a bit of luck in this industry. I consider myself very lucky. I say it a bit too much. Sometimes people are like, don't discount yourself like you know you've crafted and you know this is this is you know the fruit of kind of what you your labors basically but it is luck I think that you have to be in the right place at the right time but in order to do that if you want to be in the right place at the right time then you've got to try and be everywhere all the time and you've got to you know obviously have your own life and not work yourself to the to the bone but you know the more you can kind of put yourself out there and do things I think the the more chances that you will have for like luck to happen. So that would be my advice. And just remember, you know, that there's a lot of people in this industry. So don't get disheartened as well if it's taking you a while or if you feel like you're not, you know, if you see someone else getting an opportunity and you're like, oh, I wish I could have had that opportunity. Well, go out and get it then. Like make, make that part of your drive, you know, make that something positive, but that can like push behind you, you know, and don't ever, yeah, like don't ever discount yourself. Yeah. So. Oftentimes you think of male composers like Danny Elfman or like John Williams, but in your line of work, are you seeing more female composers? And if so, why aren't we hearing about them? Why aren't we like sharing about them? You know, that is really interesting. I think there, it's hard for me to reflect on it because since, since graduating, I've, uh, I joined this, um, association called the uh, association of women film composers so uh, awfc and they're fantastic um and there's loads of people from different loads of female composers that i've met through that and women in the industry and i've also had the great fortune to work with two massive 
female composers. So Natalie Holt, who just did Obi-Wan, she did Loki and she's going to do Batgirl. You know, she's she's fantastic. Um, and I've also um, been working with Nanita Desai on things and she's fantastic as well. But it's interesting because I know all these names, but you go out into the wider public and no one knows. Um, and I think it's because a lot of these composers do become household names and it is uh, it's something that I don't I can't explain, but there's clearly something where whereby you know these composers have had amazing careers and they've had a lot to show for it and therefore people have seen who they are um but there are tons of female composers out there that i just think have stayed slightly under the radar like if you're in the industry you know who they are but if you're out the industry you don't know who they are so yeah i can't quite answer as to why that is but it could just literally be to do with the fact that times are still a changing and the changes that have happened haven't trickled their way into the public yet it's kind of it's hopefully been kind of you know changing in the industry but then you know i think we need more time for these pieces of film or tv or, or whatever it may be to kind of add and gain and then for the public to know who they are but yeah no one's going to go out with a massive banner being like look at all these female composers like yeah. you have to kind of discover that for yourself but mm-hmm. what i like to think is that um you know big big shows like heartstopper that have done so well on netflix it's nice when people do take the time to go oh i wonder who did the who i wonder who edited this or i wonder who did the sound design on this or i wonder who composed this or did the animation on this and it's nice when people do look into who actually worked on it i think a lot of people fixate on the actors and the actresses which you know as they should it's always lovely when like people uh take the time to see who actually made it as well you know i think when i was growing up i'd watch i'd watch something on the telly or in the cinema and it get to the credits and i'd be like oh my god so many people have worked on this this is incredible and I would literally look through and I'd be like, oh, Gaffer 1, Gaffer 2. Oh, they've got great names. Oh, yeah. who who? Oh, yeah. Makeup artist costume. Oh, yeah. The driver. You know, there's just so many people who are involved. And it's so lovely when you do see they've got credit. And I think that's a really important part. What I like is uh, in, in cinema is when they have those at those end scenes that they put after the credits love it it's great it's so smart because it like keeps people there and yeah they might not actually be looking at the credits but they have to sit through the credits and then you can listen to all the music in the credits which is fun too and then and then they get to see another scene it's a little treat for them but um yeah I think hopefully um more and more people will just see female composers doing doing more and more and I, I think it is happening I think the change is happening I can see I can see personally more projects uh, particularly things like Marvel things or because there are so many there's so much content coming out from Marvel you know that there's a lot of female composers that are, are coming out through that and yeah I think the industry is trying hard to kind of push for female composers and other minority group composers give it a bit more time and hopefully we'll see we'll have some really big household names come through Yes, and hopefully people will listen to this and think, oh, there's a female comp- like, for Heartstopper, like, you know, just... Uh, well, that's the thing as well, for young, for young kids growing up as well. I think, you know, whenever I, even even not to do with composing, but you watch something on telly and there's, there's some woman who's, you know, kicking butt and, like, being awesome and they're not wearing something that is tight-fitting and, you know, exposing every part of their body, basically. You know, they're wearing just normal costumes that the the guys would wear, and I watch it and I think, yeah, awesome. This makes me feel so good, like seeing it. 
So, you know, listening to a female composer talk about their job, I think is has always been very inspiring to me because obviously that's something that I'd want to do. So I'm hoping, yeah, more young female musicians might feel like it's something that they can do and it's not something that is just completely dominated by a certain gender or type of person yeah yeah oh so excited for people to hear this <laughs> so to finish off i'd like to ask like a random rapid fire question so your first instinctual answer just have a couple i think they're fun um okay so do you have any rituals while composing drink coca-cola <laughs> I'm literally drinking Diet Coke right now. Uh, Richard, yeah, I think that's the first thing that came to my mind. Just drink drink a nice drink. Make me feel good. Yes. Who is your favourite composer to listen to right now? Oh, my goodness. Uh, I can't do rapid fire on this. There's, there's just so many. Uh, no, it's gone. I can't do this one. Hang on. Let me just go to my Spotify who is the last person that I listened to Johnny Greenwood there you go that's the last person I listened to what's a song or piece of music that makes you cry oh goodness um oh actually I'm gonna go to my liked song list which you want to say um okay so this this is the last thing that made me cry it's gonna be a really weird reference but it's called 2.3 Courant which is basically uh, one of the Bach cello suites that's been recomposed by Peter Gregson. So shout out to Peter Gregson, your your track made me cry for whatever reason. It's just a re it's a recomposition of some a classical piece, and it's just yeah, I don't know why it just made me cry when I was I was in the car listening to it and just like sobbed a bit. Anyway. Car rides get you with the with you listen to music. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that, where's your favorite place to listen to music? Uh oh, favorite place to listen to music um gosh probably my studio that's where I spend most of my time listening to music otherwise uh walking down the street mm. I love putting in some kind of headphones or something and just walking down the street having a little boogie and people will think what on earth is that weirdo doing like shuffling along the pavement and mm. just something yeah that's I love yeah listening on the on the street current tv show that you're obsessed with Oh gosh. Um oh so I've been watching The Keepers on Netflix. Um it's a documentary about well, it's a bit of a sad topic, but it's like the uh, kidnap and murder of a nun. That is but it's I've basically seen that. it's crazy. Yeah, it's the cover up behind it and uh I just think the way they've made it is fantastic. And the music is so fantastic. I think a lot of you know documentaries on Netflix can be quite dramatized and I wouldn't say this is lacking drama this is definitely still dra dramatic but the music is just so beautiful and eerie at the same time it's just um fantastic yeah when you're not busy composing and creating music what do you like to do for yourself so I have the dog <laughs> so I and oh it's so funny no one's gonna see this but look <laughs> He's uh, for people who obviously can't see. He's like he's on his back, little feet in his air, and he's dreaming. So his little feet are like flickering up and down. So yeah, he's nearly six months now. So I actually spend a lot of my time with him. Um, so you know, I'll go for a walk in the morning, maybe a short walk in the lunchtime, then a walk in the evening. Um, but dog aside, you know, I I like to go out and um, do fun things with my friends. So the last thing I did is I went and saw Heim at uh, the O2 with my friends, and it was Aww. fantastic. Taylor Swift came it was yeah amazing so I did that and for my birthday I did last year I, I rented like a hot tub boat so I like kind of went in this 
boat that's filled with water like a hot tub but you're on the Thames um it's like a special treat like I don't obviously spend all my time doing that but it was like a special treat so I like to go out and try out new things and do different things and you know because I don't take much time off to be fair so whatever I do do I, I want to try and make it something really fun and interesting but otherwise it's just just walking the dog <laughs> female's best friend love it yep yep <laughs> you have Instagram and Twitter right yep it's just at Adieska, which if you don't know how to spell it, A-D-I-E-S-C-A-R, Adieska, and that's basically my handle for everything. And then if you oh, the need website. to find yeah, it's just adieska.com. It's great. It's a great name because no one has it. Yes, <laughs> I can just you can use it. <laughs> exactly. And definitely check out her music on Spotify, Apple Music, everywhere, especially the Heartstopper. Like, I like listening to it while I'm doing work on my computer and stuff and just... Uh, doing stuff around the house it's really good <laughs> uh, I'm so pleased you, you enjoy it yes thank you so much for coming on I really just appreciate all the music talk and I really hope people will give us a listen and just delve into your work and I'm excited to see what else you, you do with your career I'm excited well thank you so much for having me and it was it's always a joy I feel like I talk too much sometimes so. no no That's <laughs> cool. platform. no it's been, a, it's been a joy so thanks so much for asking me to come chat about things yes and thank you to everyone who's listening in and stay tuned for another episode next month